With a 53% score on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, the 2001 World War II film Enemy at the Gates may seem like a movie doomed to be forgotten in the history of pop culture. The film, loosely based on the events from William Craig's 1973 nonfiction book of the same name, is largely based around the Battle of Stalingrad. In Germany, this film was derided by critics, claiming it simplified history and glorified war. And in Russia, Red Army veterans tried and failed to get the film banned for its inaccuracies, along with its portrayal of the Red Army. Even critics with positive things to say couldn't help but question several key elements of the film. Quote, The film is about two men placed in a situation where they have to try to use their intelligence and skills to kill each other. When director Anod focuses on that, the movie works with rare concentration. The additional plot stuff and the romance are kind of a shame, wrote Roger Ebert, giving the movie a generous three out of four stars. Ebert rightly points out the part of this movie that works, which turned out to be the part that resonated with Alex Kapranos, frontman of Franz Ferdinand. The movie's sniper standoff inspired the lyrics to the Scottish rock band's hit single off of their debut album. Quote, The image of the two snipers left quite an impact on me. It felt like a very good metaphor for the kind of romantic situations that we sometimes find ourselves in. You know, where you both know you're into the other, but no one wants to kind of, like, expose their vulnerability and make a move and let the other know how they feel. And so I could write the song, you can't really tell what I'm talking about. Am I talking about snipers, or am I talking about some kind of romantic situation? Said Capernos. These lyrics accompanied a melody that keyboardist Nick McCarthy had come up with on a cheap Yamaha keyboard. Using Capernos' lyrics, McCarthy's melody, and the keyboard's built-in accompaniment, specifically the bluegrass arrangement, the duo put together a rough demo which was presented to the rest of the band. The song came together but proved to feel awkward when played live due to the changes in tempo between the verses and the chorus. Quote, The verses sounded better played a little bit faster, and the chorus sounded better played a little slower, and we could never quite work it out. I had this idea that we're going to take all of the verses, put them at the beginning of the song, and then we're going to slow it down and play all the choruses, which is kind of the wrong way to do it, said Capernos. The wrong way turned out to be just right. After shuffling the verses and making a few other tweaks, inspired by arena rock acts like Queen, as well as the electronic stylings of German musicians like Giorgio Moroder, the band released a single that would secure them a place in rock and roll history. The single became an international hit, ranking high in the UK where it hit number one on the indie charts and number three on the singles charts, as well as Canada where it hit number seven on the singles chart. In the US, the song hit number three on the Modern Rock Tracks chart while peaking at number 66 on the Billboard Hot 100. A middling placement on the Billboard Hot 100 didn't stop this song from earning several accolades. The number one spot on the Australian radio network Triple J's Hottest 100 of 2004, and the number 100 spot on their 2009 Hottest 100 Tracks of All Time list. The single ranked on countless other magazine lists, including Rolling Stone's 500 Best Songs of All Time list in 2010, where it hit number 327. If you played a mid-2000s sports game like NHL 2005 or a rhythm game like Guitar Hero, or if you saw the trailer for the 2008 Will Smith film Hancock, or hell, if you passed by a radio any time in the years of 2004 to present day, then there's a good chance you know this song. That's right, we're talking Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand on Cover Me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one won't be leaving here with you. I'm your host, as always, The Snake, joined by my co-host across here away. Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, how you doing? I'm just regretting that I got NHL 04 instead of NHL 05. Oh my god. Now. 
NHL 04. What, what did that have on it? Um, had O. Allen. Oh, fuck by yeah. Gob. By Gob. <laughs> and that's the only song I remember. I'm, I'm so taking maybe a look I at the soundtrack. Let's um, see. You got uh, Bowling. You got Punk Rock 101 by Bowling for Soup. Oh, I forgot about that. You got SS Recognized by Alien Ant Farm. What does that song sound like? I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, what else you got on here? Um, Get What You Need by Jet. Feels huh. like I should know that, but it conjures Jet's kind of a mind. weird one. They have that one song, and I just know that one song, so I guess they're not that weird. They're just like a one-hit wonder. Yeah. But I don't like weirder. know anything else about them. Um, Even when I search them on Spotify, it thinks, I'm t- it thinks I'm going to type in Jethro Tull. So. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense for you and your, and your life choices. Yep. Um, yeah, that's about it for recognizable tracks. <laughs> in any case, I only remember O'Ellen, uh, and obviously there was no Franz Ferdinand. Obviously not. Um, the band named after the Archduke, not the other way around. That's right. So the Archduke wasn't around, and then also the band wasn't wasn't on the track yet. Alex, let's take a theorem minute and talk about theremins. What's going sure. on there? Yeah, uh, not too much new. I'm still just practicing my like hand positions, trying mm-hmm. to get the tuning down. Because basically, how you do it is you practice your hand positions, and then yes. you tune the field to fit the hand positions. And there's right. a little tuning knob. Okay. Uh, for that. So I managed to get it kind of inconsistent, you know, but right. uh, I've got that uh, going on. I also got a new pedal. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. I think you mentioned this to me last week. Yeah. To the listener. This one is, it's a harmonizer. Well, it's, it's called a pitch shifter pedal, but you can use it to harmonize. Um, it's pretty capable because i was looking up like pedals you should get with the theremin it was like get a harmonizer get a pitch shifter and some other stuff um but it's like this does both so i just need the one pedal get Um, you a pedal that does both yeah it's called tc brainwaves so basically you can set um two voices on it and they can be um a certain interval uh, away from the whatever you're playing so you have your, you know, dry signal and then your two harmonized. Your two wet signals. Up to two, yeah, two wet signals. I mean, it is a dry wet. It says dry wet. Um, but, yeah, or up to yeah. two. And then you can change the interval of that so you can put it up a fifth or whatever. Or down. Right. Down a fifth. Um, and, yeah, and you can also, like, if you crank it all the way wet and set mm-hmm. it to an octave below, it's a pitch shifter. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Play some low stuff. That is pretty cool. Um, Yeah, it's got. And there's a bunch of stuff you can program on it too. Like in. There's a a program and you can plug it into your computer. I have not even touched that yet. So it'd be interesting to check out. Hell yeah, dude. I I get more excited for this theremin every week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm playing it like starting to make it actually sound like something so i mentioned i played my brother happy birthday on his birthday i believe you did okay. yes because i asked you if it was the stevie wonder one or the classic and you ah you and i said, said the I'm classic not one. not cool enough yeah anything other than a simple melody that's yeah can you play a, a is it guilty melody what's the fucking uh is it a george michael song 
Oh, the like saxophone? Yeah. Um I have no, not. I put in George and then uh Careless Whisper. No, what's this song? Something melody. Oh, it's not it's not Careless Whisper? No, it's not Careless Whisper. Well, that's what I was that, thinking of. That was what I was thinking of for some reason. Uh but he's talked about guilty feet in that song. I don't know. I don't know what you're t- I don't know. Unchained melody is what I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. So now I'll ask, can you play an unchained melody, Alex? Simple ones. It's an unchained <laughs> melody, but <laughs> like a it's an old song. Or hey Alex, here's here's one, a little talking heads reference. A little little in the brackets, but uh, can you play a naive melody? I was actually listening to that and thinking about how that might work on a theremin, so Yeah, it probably worked pretty well. What a great song. Once I can Everybody play the theremin about like, that. Semi reasonably, that might actually be something you could do, especially if you did some cool stuff with um, pitch shifting. Pitch shifting. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna shift our pitch to talk about fucking World War II films from 2001, real quick. Alex. Yeah. You, you've seen Enemy at the Gates, right? I have. We. I think we watched it together. I believe we did. Yeah, on, um, a, on a Remembrance on a re- Day. Remembrance Day several years ago, because we were like a bit obsessed with this movie for a while. Yeah, obsessed is maybe not the right word, but it was like in our regular rotation of things we talked about and referenced. It was definitely in our like our our group's like circle of cultural references. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I saw it in a social studies class, or most of it. We didn't quite reach the ending of it, but like our teacher played it for us. He's like, "Here, this is like semi historical," and I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah!" And we like, and you told us about it, and we just like talked about it a bunch. Yeah, and and also at one point forgot the name, so we always called it Russian Sniper versus German Sniper. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's weird. Like this, this is just a movie that we have like a point of reference for. Uh, but yeah, I've only watched sh- it once. But I, I mean, I think I remember like um, Ron Perlman's in it. He's also a sniper. Yeah, Bob uh, Hoskins is in it. Like who? Bob Hoskins. Where's Bob Hoskins? I- I don't, I don't know, but he's Bob in it. Ed Harris is in it. Jude Law. Yeah, Ed Harris Joseph and Jude Beans. Law are like the main characters. Yeah. The uh, R- German and Russian snipers, respectively. Um, also, it's fun. Like, it's from the... Re- like, they didn't do, like, accents. You right. know, like, nowadays you probably would. But it was, like, in the time where it's like, oh, the Russians have British accents and the Germans have American accents. So. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Because except know, because Bob Hoskins Spider-Man. was still doing his Mario Bros accent. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't have no idea who Bob Hoskins was. <laughs> yeah, I have no they idea might who he was. Actually, in this film. not have been that consistent with the accents. I would not be surprised if they weren't. Um, there's like a weird, pretty awkward sex scene. Yeah, uh, in a like a yeah. bunker or something. Like they're like all the soldiers are sleeping up next to each other, and then like they just like crawl into the same sleeping bag or whatever. Like sleeping bag. Be very yeah. very quiet. Yeah, like like Roger Ebert really summed it up in that re- like review quote I pulled, where he's like, "The sniper like battle of wits is really good. Everything else kind of fucking sucks." And it's a cool idea, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's evocative enough to inspire this song, but also like it's just that idea. The movie itself is not really what inspired this song so much as the idea in the movie of a sniper battle, which is cool. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it, it gets you. It's you've been used multiple times in the Metal Gear Solid video games. Oh yeah, just this sort of like battle of like it's just over in a flash, right? Like as soon as yeah. you have to be constantly watching, constantly careful because any like one slip up, like and you're dead. And like that's the that's the idea behind it. You can't you move. The, the but you also have to constantly be on the lookout. Yeah, and it's extremely tense. And that's what's so evocative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there should be more films about sniper showdowns. It's just, they, they can probably... I mean, I wonder if they're... That, like, just a sniper showdown? Like, you'd have to do a lot with the camera. I feel like it's just two people sitting, right? Yeah, well, you'd have to do, like... Uh, I mean, there was that movie where a guy was, like, in a phone booth and there was just a sniper on him the whole time. I never watched it, but yeah, I <laughs> guess a film see, I'm maybe. saying like, oh, how would you do that? But it's like, I don't make movies. I don't, I don't know what I would do. I'm sure I someone who makes movies you, and is creative could figure it out. You got to put it in like a like an urban landscape, like in New York City, where there's a bunch of skyscrapers, and then you got two guys go. Here's my here's my pitch. You know, it's like the uh, like the movie, like the house that the movie Up is based on. You know that house that were like, we're building a super mall around it. They give us your property, and he's like, no, nah, I'm gonna have my little dipshit house here. You do that, except they force, they try to force him out, but he's an old war vet. So what he does is, while they they start putting up the the building and stuff, he starts doing non lethal shots on these construction workers to take them off the site. So then they hire a crack shot sniper to take him take out. Him out. And then you get them battling in this like construction zone slash some of the buildings around. So it's like little That's enemy at the gates, little don't breathe, a little up, little yeah, yeah, a lot of up actually. There's gonna be balloons at one point. <laughs> can shoot the balloons. Some these trying to shoot the balloons, but you can't shoot that fast because he's got like an old rifle or something. Anyway, yeah. That's my that's my pitch. Yeah, well, it's more exciting than my pitch of just two people lying down looking at each other for 90 minutes. Yeah, in a prairie. Like. <laughs> in a prairie, yeah. It's just flat with grass. The, the sequel to Enemy at the Gates, Enemy in the Grass. Just waiting for the wind to blow hard enough to expose someone that was hiding behind grass. That's right. Very it's exciting hard. Let's talk about these lyrics. Not that they blow hard, but we're going to blow hard about them. <laughs> We sure are. A couple of blowhards. Um, so like he says, he, he kind of front loads it with verses and then and then bounces to the chorus. Yeah, which is fun. Now, in Genius, it's kind of attempts to explain that with regular um, structure, like song structure. It's like, this is the intro and then the verses, but the verses are all the same, basically. And, yeah, and with like chorus. minor changes. Yeah, so really what it is is an intro that is all the verses. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they would have done it if they hadn't front loaded it. But anyway, all the verses. Um, and then they go into a chorus. That's the take me out part. And then yeah. do like more choruses. And then like the I know you won't be leaving here is basically a middle eight section. Yeah, I guess it does just happen. The one uh, it happens twice. Yeah, and then the outro as well. And then the outro as well. Yeah, so it's like a middle eight. You could call it. Maybe a refrain, if you want to differentiate from the other chorus. Chorus to refrain, is that legal? No, yeah, middle eight's probably really, more it's accurate. Just, I mean, it's like an intro with all the what you'd expect from verses, and then kind of goes between two different sections after that. 
Yeah. If you want to break it down without putting labels on things. Right. It's like A, B, C, B, C, B, C. Yeah. C, B, C, B, C, B, B, C, you know. B, B, C. Yeah, whatever. The B, B, C for sure. Um, so here's the lyrics. They begin. So if you're lonely, you know, I'm here waiting for you. I'm just a crosshair. I'm just a shot away from you. And if you leave here, you leave me broken, shattered. I lie. I'm just a crosshair. I'm just a shot. Then we can die. Oh, oh, oh. I know I won't be leaving here with you. Yeah. So wait, hang on before we talk into this. Okay. All right. Alex, do you like this? I I usually ask you about your, we talk so much about enemy at the gates, right? Franz Ferdinand, what do you think of the band? What do you think of this track? Okay, I'm going to be honest. I just haven't listened to the band. That's fair. I really only know this song. Um, You don't even know this song? I mean, obviously I do now. You do now? I mean, I've been listening to it, uh, but ahead of time, I didn't really know it. No. Alex! If yeah. you played a mid two thousand sport game like NHL two thousand five or a rhythm got, game like Guitar Hero, I missed. Or if you saw the trailer for the two thousand eight Will Smith film Hancock, or okay. hell, if you passed by a radio anytime <laughs> in the years two thousand four to present day, I probably saw the trailer to Hitch. No, Hancock. I probably saw. The trailer uh, you saw to the trailer Hitch. to Hitch instead of Hancock. Right, Hitch instead of Hancock. Uh, I'm getting my Will Smith movies that start with H mixed up. I probably did see the trailer to Hancock. Honestly, I watched the movie. I know. I watched Single-handedly the movie. tore apart my intro, Alex. I'm shattered. <laughs> but no, I wasn't really familiar with the song. But no, I like it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it doesn't nuts take for much me. to get me into like danceable British rock from the mid two thousands, which is a shame because at the time I was like, "Now nah, fuck this." But now I'm like, well, I was missing out. Scottish rock. How fucking dare you, Alex? I said British. You said British. Scottish is a little <laughs> different. Uh, it's. Doesn't it include? Wouldn't it include? Free Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It depends on if you're a separatist or not. Um. But no, I do. I do like this song. It's like, it's like indie disco, right? So yeah, a bit. It's very the um, the the influences they pull on are so just like things they like because apparently they just liked like electronic dance music. Yeah, and so they're like, well, hey, we'll pull on some German stuff, um, and then kind of do the like Talking Heads thing that we talked about way back of like, it's kind of like a sample, but we're just playing it on our guitars. That's right, because the yeah, did you did you listen to the song Exploder episode? No, I didn't. I forgot about that. Because he directly taught, and we're, this now we're talking about. But I've heard some we're, of these quotes for sure. Yeah, um, he talks about how he was like, "We tried to do your arpeggiating monophonic synth, but just spread across three instruments: two guitars and a bass." Oh, it's yeah, like, I and I thought that. that sounded pretty cool. You missed out. His voice is a real treat. It's not like too thick on the Scottish accent, but when it comes out, it's like right. A- no, I think I did hear his him actually speaking in some of the quotes, because um, it was from a video. But uh, yeah, the other thing, the other quote I saw, and now I'm paraphrasing because I didn't write it down, but it's like that he has said is like why, why like keep it simple, you know, like why mm-hmm. use a chord when you can use one note. So they definitely have that. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of the quotes I read, even from their, their Swedish producer, was like, we like to keep things simple. We want it to be as organic as possible. Um, so he talks about the tempo change, uh, which, of course, was referenced in the, from verse to chorus, or here it goes all verses, then tempo change to chorus. He's like, there was no layering there. They just know each other that well. Like, they're such a tight unit that they were able to do that tempo change just live together in the studio. Yeah, I guess that was the other thing I heard, was they did record it like studio live 
because mm-hmm. they had been playing it for so long. Yeah. Um, and it's in- is, it is interesting that they're so fine-tuned on that tempo change. I guess they give themselves a good off-ramp to do it, but that the problem was that they couldn't work out those tempo changes mid-song. Yeah, just like keep going, just do back and mm-hmm. forth, back and forth. And yeah, that would be tough. So if you have to do it that many times versus once, then if you only have to do it once, you don't have to do them all kind of the same-ish, right? Yeah. So if you do fuck it up, it's less obvious. It's less obvious. Yeah. And they, uh, there's another quote. And we're, we're talking out of turn here, but I think that's okay. Yeah. We're going all over the place, but (laughs) going all over the map. Um, where he, cause he, in that song Explorer episode, he talks about how him and his friend were learning to guitar together and they, they had this Beatles songbook and they were learning the chords and it didn't sound like the Beatles songs. And he's like, years later, I found out that the, I found another book. Like, he's like, my girlfriend had that same book. And he's like, oh, no way. And he looked at it, he's like, the chords were wrong. That's why, that's why we couldn't play the fucking songs. He's like, but the beauty of that was, is it taught us chords, and since it didn't sound like Beatles songs, we just made up our own stuff. He's like, we just made up our own songs. And the quote he says here is, no one was going to tell us they didn't sound how they were supposed to sound. Because <laughs> they made them, right? right? And that was kind of the philosophy they brought to this as well. It's like, well, we're doing our own fucking things. So I we mean, can that's put like all the verses learning up top. anything off of internet tabs. Like, Usually there's at least one thing wrong with those, you know? Yeah, it's if usually like mostly right, and then you you find a part where either they couldn't quite suss out what was being played there, or they're just like, well, fuck that. I'm just and gonna... It's, <laughs> it's fucking hard, too. You it's know? tough. You're like, you can be like, oh, this is a G chord, but then it's like, well, they play a G minor 9 add 11, something like that, like something wacky. And like, that's hard unless you really practice and trained uh, in, in harmony. And listening oh yeah and transcribing so it's like and really you could play a g chord or a g minor or whatever and it like will probably sound fine oh Not yeah the same, for sure but anyway yeah it's a, it's a slight difference hell we used to play just what i needed out of key for like we six did. months yeah and uh i'm still not great at noticing that kind of thing yeah you really got to be you know focused and in the zone for that um Pull this back. I had this song on a burned CD in the mid two thousands that my sibling had made for me, and I, I thought it was one of those. Oh, it was one of those songs. I was like, "Oh, rock and roll is still alive and well." But then I never took the next step because I didn't know how to take the next step. Then right, to like, and like listen to the band. Listen to the band. Yeah, but, well, it's, you know, it's how, it, we didn't have Spotify, so we couldn't just search them. I mean, yeah, we did have LimeWire, but still, it was effort, right? Yeah, exactly. To like it was, download uh, everything, and it was probably the wrong song. Yeah, I remember was, the band too, too. name. Yeah, I remember hearing it and being like, "Oh, like the World War One guy," but also like not quite knowing if that was right, or mm-hmm. if, or if it was like a Mark Anthony, Mark Antony situation where like they were a little bit different. And I was like, "Wait, am I saying one wrong? Which is which?" But they're the same. Which is which? Right? They are the same. And it is interesting. A lot of people fixated on their name combined with this song. Um, oh, because it is like getting shot or assassinated. Yeah, so a lot of the genius remarks on this. Look at me, I'm tying this back into the lyrics. Look yeah, at me go. Back to the are lyrics. about, um, they're like, oh, it's about the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. He's saying, take me out because he just saw his wife died and now he wants to fucking die. And it's like, I don't think so, guys. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but this was like the peak time. Like the internet was really taken off mid 2000s. People were able to put their crackpot lyric translations or interpretations onto a, you know, a centrally sourced page. Genius. Yeah. They're like, we can fucking throw this all in here. 
So there's a real like Wild West moment going on here too. With that, I'm going to reread the 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 verses and right, we will now analyze these. So if you're lonely, you know I'm here waiting for you. I'm just a crosshair. I'm just a shot away from you. And if you leave here, you leave me broken, shattered, I lie. I'm just a crosshair. I'm just a shot, then we can die. Oh, 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 I know I won't be leaving here with you. Okay, it's a metaphor. And it's I a metaphor. And honestly, I don't... I mean, now that you've said the thing about the like Franz Ferdinand theories, I'm not quite as confident in this, what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Say it. I was going to say, I think it's pretty obvious that it's not about actually shooting anybody. Yes. To me, it is. Because they're so, like, talking about loneliness and, like, it feels more like a metaphor. So in his quote, he's like, is it about snipers? Is it about love? I'm like, well, it's obviously not about snipers. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's just because I know. Um, but it, it's but a good... It it's a, a good, good effective, metaphor. like, uh, yeah, it's an effective metaphor. Uh, a lot of the lyrics play to both ends of that. Is it some shootout or is it, uh, you know, the, the beginnings of flirtations? Yeah, they're literally, like, eyeing each other from a distance and, like, oh, one of us needs to pull the trigger kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, who's going to do it? But it's also kind of turning that on its head because it's like you want the other person to take you out, to shoot you. Also, the, like double meaning of take me out as in murder me versus take me out to dinner or whatever to dinner yeah um yeah it's brilliant in its simplicity would would be like all you could say of the whole song musically and uh lyrically yeah um so if you're lonely you know i'm here waiting for you one yeah that reads like hey romantically i'm here waiting for you that's also some action movie shit it's like (laughs) You could you could hear fucking Bruce Willis or somebody said, so if you're lonely, yeah, you know I'm here waiting for you. Right, it's like sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. Going the other way, yeah, it sounds sarcastic. Mm-hmm. And just yeah, I'm just a crosshair, I'm just a shot away. So like the 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 narrowness of that. You know, another song that uses a shot away to talk about the sort of chaotic immediacy or closeness of something is, is Gimme Shelter, Rolling mm-hmm. Stones. So we're in we're in some some trot upon ground here. Um I never thought it was Broken, shattered, I lie. I thought it was a lie. As in someone is lying? Yeah, it's like you leave me, you know, a lie. Like, uh, you know, I, I've, uh, by, by leaving me here, I've now become, <laughs> it, it makes no sense, I guess, ultimately. <laughs> if but like, if you think about it, but I was like, oh yeah, he's a, you leave That's me a broken, shattered, a lie. That's why you don't Oops. think about it. But yeah, if you leave me, you leave me broken, shattered, I lie. So there's there's some kind of singularity of purpose here. Because like he says in some of these interviews, it's like, we both know we're into this. Just neither one of us is really willing to Yeah, and if no one makes a step. move, if you leave. But that's the other thing is like, leaving me broken, you'd think then you would get shot. But that's because from not getting shot. So there's kind of some. Uh... Yeah, like the with, without engaging. It's, it's worse than, because after that he says, I'm just a shot, then we can die. Like, it's mm-hmm. fine if one of us makes a move and it doesn't play out. But for the love of God, somebody do something, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think maybe the other side of that, and maybe this is just me trying to be a little Shakespearean, but orgasms? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always something to think about. Always something to think about. Little death. You know, I'm just a shot, and then we can, we can both nut. Hooray. <laughs> And yeah, death, something, bullets. But I guess ultimately it's a futile situation because he says, I know I won't be leaving here with you. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a foregone conclusion, but he is not confident about it. Certainly not. Kind of suggesting that 
if they don't do anything, then he probably won't either. Yeah, and because this is really hyper-focused on, like, a moment in the flirtation, right? Because it's really just about them circling and, you know, saying saying nothing. Like, being like, "Ah, ah, ah, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying I'm not, but I'm not saying I am. It's a lot of just, like, stalemate. Broken down into a verse and two chorus parts. Yeah. And so, the the first chorus, chorus goes, I say, don't you know? You say, you don't know. I say, take me out. I say, you don't show, don't move, time is slow. I say, take me out. So as, as far as like non-conversation goes, don't you know, you don't know is like, nobody is giving or receiving anything. <laughs> like, there's no ground won or, or lost. Yeah, I also like the idea of the conversation. We're like, eh, don't you know? And they're like, no. I don't know. <laughs> That's just like, oh, okay. Uh, that that ends everything right there yeah and so i wonder if the take me out is like him being like ah fucking kill me like this this type of conversation yeah is the worst like please remove me from this yeah yeah so i guess if they are talking um but then also both kind of trying to see each other's weakness hide their own yeah it's uh it's tense it's uh you know any movement which he'll talk about in a later uh stanza is could could ruin everything and he talked don't move time is slow so it's like a real hyper focused moment here yeah and i guess i mean i said um before with the the movie that's just snipers lying in the grass or whatever like ah there's not much going on but like that's kind of what this verse is showing you know like mm-hmm. not much happens but they have to be constantly paying attention and thus time moves slowly that's right and it's showing the things that do happen which is not much or yeah not a lot telling them i guess not showing them uh what do you make of the line i say you don't show is that just because it rhymes with no or like um I think that we just fill in space. <laughs> when he says I say I say I feel like some of the times he means he's physically saying it. Some of the <clears> times <throat> it's just him expressing an opinion in his own mind. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because I feel I like, hear you, like I don't, don't think you he's know, saying because like I say yeah. you say that sounds like a conversation. That's a conversation versus for sure. like you're not going to say, hey, take me out, right? But, like, that's mm-hmm. him expressing something he wants. And also, they're not showing their weakness or whatever, or their interest. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, so I there's, say yeah, you there's... don't show, but, like, he's kind of trying to get them to show. And he's trying to see it. Right. I yeah, it does raise the question happening. of whether he's saying take me out out loud or not, and then looking for a reaction. I suppose, yeah, I didn't think he was, but maybe. But maybe, I don't think he is either, but that's... Could be, could be, I don't know, could be. Uh, yeah, but that's your first, uh, your first part of the, the, mm-hmm. the chorus chain here. Um, and then you basically get it again. I say you don't know, you say you don't know, I say take me out. If I move, this could die. If eyes move, this could die. I want you to take me out. So That's great. I like that added part with the movement. The, uh, the eye moving. And 
yeah, kind of, again, talking about, like, one wrong move. One wrong move, this whole thing. Mm -hmm. in flames. You know? It's a very uh, delicate situation. Yeah, delicate. Again, it plays in that sniper realm of, like, any movement on my part, whether it be moving my body or moving my eyes away from the scenario, could end the whole thing. But also in the flirtation scenario, it's like if my eyes start to wander, the whole thing could be done. Mm-hmm. So, it's a mystery. Yeah, and of course the conversation, at least the external one, has moved from, don't you know, I don't know, to, you don't know? And you say, I don't know. So, so is that just the continuum? Like, don't you know? And they're like, I don't know. And they're like, you don't know? And they're, they're like, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I feel like that's it. Like, it's it's just a snail's pace, right? It's just nothing is happening there. It's true, yes, it is. I mean, yeah, time's moving slow. Mm-hmm. The song itself also slowed down. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we get the, the swiftness of the, the verses, and then it slows right down into this yeah, moment. Bam, the verses bam, feel like bam. an introduction of seeing each other across the room, and then the choruses feel like now time is slow because they're actually maybe together, kind of. But still, um, nothing's been decided. Yeah. Um, and then he quite explicitly says, I want you to take me out at the end of that. But he doesn't say that he says it this time. True. But he's still, yeah. But he he's still to. expressing that th through, the, through the lyrics. Um, and then comes the, the quote-unquote chorus, the uh, middle eight, chorus B, refrain, fucking whatever. I know I won't be leaving here with C you. Section. I know I won't be leaving here. I know I won't be leaving here with you. I know I won't be leaving here with you. Yeah. Like I said before, it feels to me like they just kind of lost confidence. Yeah. Maybe they've been in this scenario a lot of times before, and it typically like, doesn't ah, go their way. We fucked it up. But, you know, it's still very delicate, so you never know. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of feel like maybe they did mess it up, and it's not going their way. Yeah. Well, if the conversation that we've, we've gleaned is anything to go by, it's, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> not going super well, no. <laughs> No. Um, yeah, so then the, the next uh, part, the next part B, is uh, a combination of the previous two part Bs. I say, don't you know? You say, you don't know. I say, take me out. If I, if I wane, this yeah, could this die. Yeah, it's a bit different. Mm-hmm. If, I, if wait, I wait, this, this could, could die. die. And then it has the, if I move, if eyes move, this can die. Yeah. That, that, to me, is like, this is the make or break moment. And he doesn't make that decision. Like, it doesn't show it in this song. He's losing confidence, but he's like, I gotta make a move now. Yeah, it's, uh, and he's, if he wanes or waits, so kind of, you know, pulls back or doesn't make a move, it could die. If he moves, it could die. <laughs> like, yeah. he's, he's really stuck. So, like, any decision could be, yeah, could totally kill it. Um, but, it, yeah, now that he's talking about waiting being the problem does make it seem like all right this is it mm -hmm. i suppose in a way the 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 moral of this song as it is a moral tale is to not get in too much in your head about like in the moment things right it does seem to be i mean even one of the quotes i saw about this was like they said like oh if this song actually this was just editorialization i realized this wasn't mm. a great quote um like suggesting that the song might inspire people to make a move 
be like, ah, it's now or never kind of thing. Right. It is a bit inspiring. It's not necessarily reassuring, but the uh, the opinion of the song seems to be like it doesn't directly say um it's either you make a move and fail or don't make a move and fail so you might as well make a move because you could fail or not fail versus Mm -hmm. not making a move and you'll definitely fail kind of thing but it seems to suggest that particularly here it's like oh well if i don't do anything yeah if i if i don't do anything or do something this could die no matter what right so i mean to me the logical next statement is so you might as well do something yeah you're right it presents you with the evidence to reach that conclusion without explicitly saying like you need to make moves yeah and maybe that's just my takeaway but i mean that's kind of how this sort of thing works Mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. it's a uh, no it's a it's a tight little by piece, that's I how think. this sort of thing works i mean that's how like art works that's how art works baby you take uh, or at it, least you interpret it, can, it you know they don't have to have a conclusion but they can and then you talk into a microphone about it for an hour and a half yeah. <laughs> it's always been the process um yes alex and while indecision is apparent in the lyrics the instrumentation itself is quite decisively moving it is um i might have a quote about that here who says i don't was recorded in Malmo, Sweden, with producer Tor Johansson at Gula Stujan. Um, and Johansson had this to say, he says, there was no editing other than that we compiled the best take. We didn't do any tricks of, like, doing that on a separate take and then doing the rest of the track. So he used multiple echo effects on this to achieve, quote, a marching machinery industrial feel. He says it's very organic, but we wanted it to sound like you're in a big workshop or something. So that's the production into this. Interesting. It's always interesting to hear that sort of a quote because it's not something you necessarily think of listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, they that does seem to come across in their music video, which we'll talk about later. Oh yeah, for it. sure. Um, but, but yes, this song. I mean, it does kind of have that machinery, particularly like if you're looking at the start, it's very regular. Da 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 da. Yeah, that's them trying to imitate the uh, synth. Yeah. And, yeah, I believe it. They also kind of, it's like split across your ears. So there's like mm-hmm. a couple tracks going on there. Um, I also saw, and I thought this was relevant, um, they compared this song to a roller coaster, which... Uh, ah, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> which you did uh, a couple weeks ago, I think, for... Uh, was it Smooth Criminal? Yes! Yeah. Anyway. We talked about amusement park rides. That was fun. Um, just a quote I saw. Yeah, that's a good quote. I like that. I, not that I quoted the quote. But hey, you, paraphrase you said it. the I'm words. More you said they were your own. Yeah, well, wouldn't get you far in journalism, baby. <laughs> no, it's a good thing I'm not. Some guy one time kind of said something like this, maybe. Probably. Actually, probably get you pretty far in journalism. I don't remember Let's... who said it, but. <laughs> Seems reasonable. Seems, um, seems legit. Yeah, so that's the intro. Got that Got that guitar going, bringing some cymbals. Also, pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, so yeah, these Good verses pulse. are quick. It's... Yeah, and very much like bass, just like playing a repeated note, and then they'll change that. Like you said, yeah. sounds like a sequencer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even like speeds up a little more and 
they yeah do more changes for a bit yeah and you get that kick drum coming in there in like the second half of these these intro mm-hmm. verses and then like you imitated he does go into like a falsetto near the end yeah he does this like uh like a uh, uh, yeah like a ghoulish haunting <laughs> sort of scream and then it all, this is where they're doing that tempo change right on his I know I won't be leaving here line. Everything kind of comes together and just starts slowing right down. Yeah, which is a cool move. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, then it, and then it breaks down to this essentially just like pulsing beat, just dan, dan, bam, 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 bam. Yeah, so it's got a pretty good like rhythm riff going on. Yes. Uh, on the guitar. And yeah, slowing it down makes it sound real, really cool. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple interesting things about the drums I will point out. This is, of oh, course, yeah. borrowed from the Song Exploder episode. Folks, if you want real music journalism, real breakdowns of songs, go listen to Song Exploder. Shorter episodes, too. Hey, listen, I got to be honest with y'all. But they, so apparently they heard about some American guy talk to them about how his favorite genre of music was sports rock. A.K.A. Okay. like arena rock. Oh, I see. Um, and so they were blown away by this term sports rock. They're like, what the fuck? And they're like, well, the guy mentioned like Queen, and he mentioned the song Eye of the Tiger. And they're like, they're like well, what, what elements does this have? And so what they picked up on was the cymbal catch, where you hit the cymbal and then you grab it right away to make it a real short, punchy note. And that is what I they see. do here in this section. And then doubling up on that, they also taped two kick drums together for their for their bass notes there, and so that apparently that gives you a sort of thicker how? sound that lasts a little longer. With, with tape, tape, like in I what mean. way do they tape them together? I think side by side. But like, I'm I'm picturing like widthwise, not like one in front of the other. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know it sounds like it wouldn't okay. make a fucking difference, right? It sounds stupid. Yeah. But apparently, it makes it makes a difference. All right, so we played two kick this drums. Is, this is what I learned. Yeah, they're playing two kick drums at once. Okay. I'm, I'm guessing because the sound travels through both. I, I wonder if they taped them. I don't know, Alex, okay? <laughs> it was an audio medium. They didn't fucking right. provide schematics. Yeah, see if you contact the Song Exploder people, see if they'll provide those. Um, yeah. But that's cool. I mean, it's always fun to hear about those cool ways you make it sound a little different or... Maybe make it sound more like something you would otherwise do in a computer, you know, mm-hmm. or you know, yeah, 100%. In, the, in the mixing process or the whatever. Yeah, and I really like so, their just kind of take anything yeah, style of influence. Or they're like sports rock. That sounds dumb as shit. Let's do something from that. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> and then it plays really well in here. Like, it's yeah. funny. It's funny. Yeah, On the Song Explorer episode, nice he asks, thing. he's like, is that a real genre? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> he goes, no way. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard sports rock. I like loosely know I mean, the I've term. heard arena I'm... rock. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, and then you got Jock Jams, which were a series of like compilation albums that were released. Oh. Yeah, I guess. So it all, it all kind of makes sense. But yeah, I don't think the term sports rock ever really took off. I guess the other thing is, like, there are a few songs that I associate with sports games. Right, like of your, course. Like Gloria your, by uh, Laura yeah, Brannigan. Yeah, Gloria. Um, and, like, any ACDC song that is popular. That's so right. Black and Black or Highway to Hell, basically. Yep. Oh, no, Thunderstruck. 
That's Thunderstruck, they're going to play that yeah. in a sports game. Um, Dirty Deeds know. Done Dirt Cheap. Um, less, but yeah. Um, you're, we will <laughs> fuck, rock fuck you, Alex. Here I thought we were just listening to ACDC songs. <laughs> Guess mine wasn't good enough. No, you're All wrong, right. actually. Just my songs. <laughs> Only my songs count. Okay, okay. Um, anyway, let's talk about this instrumentation more. I'm getting yes, let's track. talk about this instrumentation. We were uh, off track, but we yeah, like down. we talked about, it's a bam, 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 bam. And then another riff. Mm-hmm. Which is and this cool riff is, I think, riff. directly inspired by their the shitty Yamaha that they put the demo on. That's the Yamaha sound? Okay, and that's also, like, this is how they sing the verses, too. It's a melody yeah. the verses. Um, so, like, the guitar plays in between the verses, and then during the verses, it cuts out. They just sing it. Yeah. They did mention another guy was an influence for his, like, call-and-response style of singing with the guitar. Can't find his name. Um, yeah, oh, it was Howlin like Howlin Wolf. Wolf or something like that. That's correct, yeah. I think, yeah. That is correct, Which is yeah. like old blues guy. Yeah. So you can hear... Uh, but yeah, that's song, uh, really what sums this up, is yeah, you get has that... Uh, has a similar sound, yeah. But yeah, it's like, play that guitar riff, vocals come in, play the guitar riff again. And then on the next go around, so on that second uh, chorus, we get a little more guitar. It's a little boodle doodle do. Yeah, doing those like upward runs. Yeah. Um, there is. I think there's another. Is there another guitar on that one? There right, is for sure at least two guitars interweaving yeah. on the second the second chorus. Yeah. Which is a cool sound. Always like those interwoven guitars, especially when they do a cool thing together. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, the, the other thing on the riff is like the last one will shift up. Yeah, you know how it is, man. You gotta jump I up. I know how it is. So it sounds exciting. Um, exactly. And kind of go back to the riff, but then they do their middle eight thing. Yeah, this uh, sort of downwards uh, pattern. It's bum 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 dun 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 bum 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 bum. And the drums switch up from such a huge bass focus to a real, like, hi-hat focus. Yeah, and faster, like 16th notes. Mm-hmm. So I guess they do kind of get some of that tempo change feel in there still, but it's much smaller, obviously, than the move from the introduction of this song to the rest of it. True, yeah. So it's still, yeah, it still has the back and forth. Um, the other thing that's in this part, and I wonder if this is the shitty Yamaha, but there's, like, a keyboard of some kind playing chords. Yeah. Um, could be the Yamaha. I didn't listen to the demo if that's available. Um, yeah, if you listen to the Song Exploder episode, so I don't think it is. I think they moved on from the shitty Yamaha by the time they're in the right. studio, but like the demo was put on that thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, there is some kind of synth organ thing. Oh, yeah. Chords. Yeah, because they do have a keyboardist. That's, or at least they did at this point. I guess he left the band later, but Nick McCarthy. Okay. And he's here. He's playing. He's keys. here. He's hitting those. And keys. he's also doing uh, backing vocals because the vocals are double tracked a lot of the time. So it's uh, oh. Alex Capranos and then Nick McCarthy. That's true. There are like, a f- like they're kind of also out of time a bit. Like they're not. Yeah, there's like a slight just doing the same delay thing the same in time. it, which yeah. makes delay, it sound a bit fatter. <laughs> so um, that's cool. That might just be an effect. I don't know. Um, but that's kind of like, because they go back into, 
they do another verse, right? Mm-hmm. Do some riffing, go back into a verse, and then like go into the outro, which is similar to the middle eight. But like yeah. the style for the rest of it is pretty consistent. Yeah, and we end on like a big sustain. Yeah, it's really like the movements are from the intro to the choruses, from the verses to the choruses, which is just the large division. And then in the chorus section, you have that uh, shift from the big pulsing section to the, the sort of downward groove section and back again. And back again and back again. The Hobbit's Tale. Yeah, so it still has what feels like a verse-chorus structure, even though... Structure, yeah, it tricks you. If you're me, you might define it differently. And based on what their description is, they wouldn't call the rest of it verses. So, Because they slid all the verses to the Mm -hmm. front. Alex, we've discussed the, the exciting sounds, the exciting words. Let's discuss the exciting music video directed by Swedish music video director Jonas Odell. Yeah, let's do it. Um, um, he, he says of it, he has a quote. I mean, surface mm-hmm. level. Sorry, you... you, you no, sure, let me open with the quote. Basically, it's a pop video, and it should entertain you, but not just once. There are certain things you stare at in life that is just fascinating to look at, like a fish tank or an open fire. They're actually quite simple things, but there's something fascinating about them, and I think pop videos should be like that, too. There should be something there that just makes you want to come back and look at it. Yeah, so it kind of sounds to me like the idea is that it's very dense and there's a lot of things in it. So like you can kind of see new things on mm-hmm. subsequent watches, um, which is nice. But also because of that, I made no attempt to like get all the details out. Oh, for sure. Um, I kind of just wrote what, what shot out to me. My first observation is just about every like frame of this music video could be an album cover. Yeah, yeah, you know what? That is true. I mean, there's a lot of, like, cool visuals going on. Because, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, mostly, if you want to break it way down, a lot of it is just the band playing the song standing around. But there's a lot of interesting stuff going on around that. Because it's not, they're just not in a room. They're in, like, a a nether space. Yeah, it's just this Um, white void where there's, like, schematics and, like illustrations it probably tells you how to make the double kick drum there if you look close enough yeah it's uh what i call it psycho literary void okay yeah i call it kind of like the vitruvian man the uh the yeah so there's diagrams like that there's a lot of sketches and diagrams of like like architectural drawings or maps or yeah, mm-hmm. vitruvian man style sketches um, and you're right there's also like cut-ups of words yeah, words and like book pages from books and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool. It's cool looking. It's very dense. Uh, apparently, yeah, it's it was very inspired dense. by like Terry Gilliam's animations from Monty Python. Yeah, that's right. I read that as well, and I I think I can see that. I'm not overly familiar with the with the Terry Monty Gilliam Python segments. cartoons, but I mean, it's mostly like paper cutouts, basically, where you'd like yeah. a segment of it. So it's like. It's like animations built out of, like, paper dolls. Right, and that's exactly what this is. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, there are a lot of, like, the band being reconstructed as paper cutout robots of different yeah. kinds. Which we were t- talking about it being very mechanical. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what you get here. 
Yeah, there's newspapers of uh, some pugilism going on, a bit of bare knuckle boxing. <laughs> right, the guys boxing, and the one guy's just wailing on the other dude. Like, yeah, and it's called Franz versus Anti Franz. <laughs> I don't think Anti Franz is doing very well. No, I don't think so. Um, also, there's like mechanical legs that are just stomping. They're yes, we'll get those quite frequently. Um, and then later on, there's even some like chorus line legs that are just. That's like, right. They're robotic, but they have like a human style leg on the end. So they're just yeah, like, kind of like the, the sexy leg lamp, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like a Christmas story. Yeah. Um, also, everything is like. I mean, we talk about the foot stomping, but even the boxing is to the beat. That's right. Yeah, he. Um, it's it's in that instrumental break where it's dun 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 dun. dun, dun it's him pounding on this dude. So that's fun. It's yeah, nice it's a fun elements. music video and good rhythmic elements. Yeah, somewhere yeah, between a cartoon and live concert footage, right? Yeah, pretty much. And there's like so many things in this music video. Like there's a guy fencing, another guy who's holding a pencil. Yeah, uh, there's times. I mean, we talked about the um, the band will like get their body parts torn apart. Sometimes it'll just show like a head or something. Yeah. Whatever Capernos will just be singing, but it's just his head. Just his head. Yeah, a lot of those shots. Um, there's them playing on this like usually they're playing in that void with the drawings, but sometimes they're playing on this large scaffolding setup. Yep, that is also true. Um, and like there'll be three dimensional objects because everything is like paper cut out. Right. 2D kind of thing, even if it's a picture of a 3D thing. Um, but sometimes there'll be a structure made out of like 2D cutouts, so it'll look like paper stuck together yeah. in a structure. So it's very cool aesthetically. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, like the guy kind of said, it's like everything you need from a pop video, because this did play a lot on your music video stations, because I remember seeing this when the song was, you know, first coming out. I don't. I don't remember seeing this. Why, well, yeah, Alex, you didn't turn on a radio between 2004 and today. You've never heard this song before this week. <laughs> I probably heard it before. <laughs> Not enough to know it, though. Not enough to know it, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty cool music video. I like it. Uh, is there, like, some sort of deeper thematic meaning behind a lot of the images? I would say not really. Not really. But we did talk about how there is, like, a deeper meaning behind them if you, like, look at the history of the song. Mm-hmm. In terms of mostly just that mechanical thing, but maybe some other things. Yeah. It but just, there's it always something to... new to see, you know? Yeah, something new it's to see. Dense. Like, it kind of fits with... I think also people's perce- perceptions of the band themselves. You got a name like Franz Ferdinand. A lot of this video looks kind of old timey. A lot of grayscale. A lot of se- sepia, sepia going on. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Part of the aesthetic. Um, I guess the other thing is there are parts where it like almost seems like it's going to be a lyric video. Right, because the letters do come out. The lyric thing, and honestly, I'm not really a huge fan of lyric videos. No, I hate them. So, um, I think it's great. <laughs> Like, sometimes it's kind of a lyric video, but it's not really the focus. Mm-hmm. I think the best one they do with it is where they, they do the scream with uh, just some A's on the, on the screen. The, ah! Yeah. Honestly, I don't know why, but I definitely am a big fan of the visual of... Maybe it's because of Scott Pilgrim. Like, someone shouting, and then it'll be like, ahs coming out of their mouth, you know? Right. Just like, just sliding by. Yeah, it's a fun, fun aesthetic. Or, or as we that, also call them, A's, the letter. A. That's what I call them. 
A is um, the letter. But yeah, that's the music video. That's right. That's the music video. That's the song. Let's talk about some cover versions, starting with Scissor Sisters in 2004. Say. I say, don't you know? You say, you don't know. I say, Sisters, yeah. Have we talked about Scissor Sisters? I couldn't find. Um, I don't think it's they come up on familiar. Cover Me. I'm loosely from. It was weird for me because part of the reason I uh picked this song was that Greta found their cover because uh, she was like, "Oh, I like Scissor Sisters," and started listening to them. And I was like, "Oh yeah, they're that glam rock group, which is only like twenty percent accurate." <laughs> they do okay. like some glam rock they do a lot of like dance music as well i was surprised to find out yeah they seem to be fairly eclectic Hmm. um so yeah they do uh their big hit was i don't feel like dancing on a it was like a saturday night i don't feel like dancing don't feel like dancing dancing you know that one yeah, that definitely has a bit of a disco thing going on, but no, not really. Yeah, that one. Um, they got a whole bunch. They're they're a fun little group. Yeah, uh, they've been around for, for a while. Been around for a while. Um, interestingly, this version was also popular in Australia, similar to the original. It hit number forty-four on the Triple J's Hottest One Hundred of two thousand four, where the original was at number one. So this song was twice on the two thousand four list: the greatest songs, the greatest two thousand four songs. Impressive. Impressive. Um, and these guys have worked with Elton John, Kylie Minogue, and others. So they're 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 a, they're a band out there. They're out yeah, there in the mix. Yeah, and like looking them up, they've done some performances at like award shows and stuff. So like they're reasonably yeah, they're popular. Like I just solid like, don't B listers or something. Them. You know, like, yeah. yeah, they're out there. <laughs> they're around. People know them. Um, they got some like slightly silly stage names. I saw oh, an animatronic. Anna. Matronic. Oh yeah, that's right. Animatronic, and the other one is uh. One is called Baby Daddy. Baby Daddy. Jake Shears. That's hilarious. I don't, I don't think that's a joke. Like that's a stage name, but it's not like I, I not couldn't like find a, a pun. Yeah. So yeah. this one starts out with like a like lounge singer influence, like a real jazzy big piano yeah, introduction like uh, like a piano like pop ballad thing almost it, pop you know, it ballad me yeah. of was mm-hmm. um a little bit there was parts um handbags and glad rags the british handbags office theme rags. okay <laughs> if you remember that but yeah it feels like a big pop ballad there's even it's very like um exaggerated mm-hmm. it's really really going in this first part yeah, there's like doing it to to sound like the thing, and then there's exaggerating it for a little bit of like parody effect, and this definitely yeah. reaches towards exaggeration, especially near the end when he like goes into the falsetto, which they do yeah. in the original, but like he he really goes for it. I think that's what. I mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because yeah, the intro is this big like like played out piano parts with the the falsetto at the end, and then we get bluegrass <laughs> like we get a banjo yeah. in here yeah i thought they were going like the solo piano version route and mm-hmm. they didn't it gets twangy and swingy and honestly yeah. the riff swung a bit sounds really good it sounds great maybe it's just because it's like already a pretty danceable song so if you just swing it a bit 
Right. It has that dance influence like in its DNA. So you just chuck it into a different dance area. But yeah, it's very like boom, 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 you know, boom, boom, bam, 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 bam. Yeah, you can really feel that feel that rhythm. Oh yeah. And yeah, the the banjo sounds cool. That riff on a banjo. I'm assuming it's a banjo. Uh maybe. Might be like a I want to say it sounds doesn't sound like a mandolin. I don't know. Is it, it a banjolin? Banjolin? Mandola <laughs> maybe. I think that's a bit bigger. Okay. I don't think that's I did oh. put mando in question mark by banjo. So, Mando bass. I'm, I'm, I'm covered, bro. Um, yeah. That not guitar, not a violin, Something stringed playing. instrument has Something a great playing. tone to it. Uh, but yeah, like the, it's it's a good sound. Everything fits together very well. Uh, it's got a very good like kind of bouncy feeling. Which the original, mm-hmm. I wouldn't describe it as bouncy, but it's like jumpy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they're hitting the ground very hard, whereas this one's kind of lightly jumping. Yeah, on. the original's a stomp. This is a bounce. Stomp. That's that's the word. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. I know words. Watch me now. Um, <laughs> Watch out. Uh, you get the sort of call and response vocal treatment in those courses where you get this lower whispier voice going like, I say. And then the main vocal is going, yeah. I say, don't you know? You say. You say you don't know. Yeah, with, I mean, we talked about how uh, the kind of, there's like a call and response feel in the original. That yeah. Sort of comes courtesy of Howlin' Wolf. Howlin' um, Wolf. Being like American music in a similar vein to where you'd get bluegrass. Like there's there's similar ancestor, you know? Yeah, for sure. This version does a really good job of like identifying the influences of the original and then just like like tweaking them. Tweaking it. And then just seeing where that gets you yeah. now. Yeah, and then it's, adding it's just like, a little bit like of their the own touch to timeline it. version. You go into yeah. the past, change butterfly effect something, and then mm-hmm. come back to the future or the present, I guess. And then it's like, this is the result is the Scissor Sisters version. So it does feel very like deliberate in that way. Yeah. And it's definitely as far as covers go, very much your like taking the original song and like finding what makes it work and making it your own. Yeah. So good work. Good work. Yeah. Strong job. Um. Those. Uh. Instead of going down on this, the the C sections, they kind of go up instead, and do a little like long drawn out. Just boom, 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 boom. Yes. Some there's piano some good riffings. piano um runs on that too. Yeah. Cool sound. Cool sounds. Yeah, they like you said, I think you summarized it. I probably should have moved on, but I just wanted to highlight that section. Uh, yeah, they really take this, make it their own, and make it sound different while still drawing on the original's influences and ideas. Um, speaking of something that leans a little too heavy on the original, Daft Punk in 2013. Yeah, this is an odd one, just because it's like just an album mm-hmm. of just of, two I guess of Take Me French out. remixes of Take Me Out. Yeah, I guess French. Uh, so this is the retired French electronic music duo known for you know harder, better, faster, yeah, stronger, French. get Did lucky. 
Anyway, we're not going to worry about it. Um, I must. Well, you, what did you find? The Russian fucking sculptor, and you were like, "That's no, the guy." <laughs> Glaswegian. Uh, they are part of a Glasgow record label. The next guys. We'll oh, talk about them in a second. Yeah, I'm getting because I couldn't find much else about them. You're getting ahead of yourself. Let's talk about Daft Punk and how they phoned it in on this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is almost like it's a weird remix because it's so close to the original. Um, oh, but it's Daft Punk. They're French. They're French DJs. They do electronic yeah. music. Too. You guys know Daft Punk. Because of Daft Punk, they're very, they're very famous and successful. Yes. Um, not for this cover, though. <laughs> no, not for this cover. Uh, rightly, um, I mean, it's it's more of an augmentation. Yes, that would like, be a way to describe it. They take the original and then just like, oh, this part's like a distorted guitar. Let's put like a really buzzy synth on there. Or whatever. Yeah, I actually had this. Well, I was listening out of a speaker that is a little questionable. Normally, I use my headphones, but I okay, yeah, had it coming through speaker, and I thought the speaker was like fucked. not not handling <laughs> it. I thought it was fucked up, but no, that's just what they like. It crackles and like overloads the sound. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's straight it up like, like they just had one knob and it was like make shitty noises and they're like, well, we'll just kind of vary that throughout the song. <laughs> yeah, I honestly thought it was like when I first listened to it passively, I was like, oh, they put some record scratches in. That's weird. But no, they don't. It's just kind of scratchy sound. Yeah, just scratchy sound. they have this kind of wind like this. I called it like a blowing wind, like oh, like wind blowing into a microphone and kind of. Yeah, that's like 100% what it is. Um, and you get a bit of it at the start, and then they play the intro straight. Like, they play the verse section straight. Yeah. And then the next weird, like, choice they make is they make that instrumental start, that bam, 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 They just extend that for a couple bars. <laughs> right. And you start to get some of that fuzz and crackle yeah. at the end. So there's a lot of that breaking up. But yeah, it feels like there's not really much of an idea here. No. So yeah, it's not it's not the most interesting remix of the. It's heard. in fact very boring, and I'm shocked. I'm shocked that Daft Punk would put this out. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Daft Punk. Would, I mean, they're Daft Punk, right? Yeah, but they still did this, so I guess not. A, no one's perfect. Like they made Get Lucky in 2013, and then also cranked out this. Yeah, I guess they were busy with Get Lucky. <laughs> right, and and Random Access Memories is, I think, the the album of that year. Oh yeah. Remember that being a big deal. But yeah, a lot of the the remainder of the song is just them increasing this fuzz noise throughout what is just the rest of the song regularly. It's this Yeah, and I think yeah, it's really there's like not so like it's that and like they've cranked the bass. Yeah. But yeah, that's like pretty much it. That's pretty much I don't it. have anything else to say about it. It is shocking. Um um better Better cover of the two, better remix of the two on this French album is uh, Naum Gabo in 2013. Yeah, okay, so I found a page on uh, Optimo Music. Yes. For this Naum Gabo Anna One album, which is not mm-hmm. this. Um, and it says, describes them as Glasgow's Naum Gabo, Johnny Wilkes, and James Savage. Are the okay. That may be them. I didn't find that page. I just looked at the, the album 
for these remixes, which prominently features the French flag. Oh, that's true. Hmm. So maybe I mean, they could be Glasgow based. They could be, or maybe they're true. from Glasgow and now and, they're and fucking now France they're based. Yeah. Um, hard to say, but yeah, they are apparently, I guess, part of some Glasgow record label. Uh, that's really all I could find about them. They're named after a Russian sculptor theorist and key part of Russia's avant-garde movement. Yeah. So cool. Um, this thing also describes them as lo-fi post-punk disco. Sure. Those are words. I recognize those as words. <laughs> um, so they have some disco influence, which is they have in common with the band Franz Ferdinand. Hey. Also, the Scottish thing, potentially. Um, potentially, yeah. To, to some degree. What degree? I'm not sure. Not sure. They seem to be pretty obscure. Yeah. But- that said, what is the music like? I'd say this one's a bit odd too, but in a more interesting way. Uh, because what, what they've done is they have based the entire remix around just the intro versus section. Yeah. Um, which sounds like sounds like a, a, a challenge thing. Like you're out drinking or whatever, and you're like, you know, I bet we could do a song just from the this part of this song. Like, can we extend it? And and they do. It's like five minutes long. Yeah, I guess that'd be my major criticism of this, is the song only needs to be two and a half minutes. Because that's when they run out of material and just recycle it. Yeah. Almost like when we do video game tracks, they just like loop halfway through. Yeah, they're like, well, we'll do it again. You're like, okay, fine, I guess. But but it is more of a traditional remix in that it feels like, oh, they did some synth stuff here, you know? Mm -hmm. And they key in on certain samples and they're like, well, let's take that. So yeah. the the ah gets gets repeated quite a bit. Ah, and you got yeah, that they, that's in kind the of like their hook. They've based around that false yeah. part. Um, and more of that, you know, repetition. And I already said new synths, and it does have a pretty good synthy sounds. It does have some pretty good synthy sounds, as uh, they often do. You know, things you'd expect, like the filter sweep stuff. Yeah. Um, and like you said taking bits, like looping some of the guitar parts from the original. Mm-hmm. Um, which are already repetitive, and now they're looping it, so it's like doubly so, but it kind of works because it's already meant to work that way. Right, yeah, because it's meant to imitate an arpeggiator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, interestingly, they focus on doing the intro section, but the instrumentals are more reminiscent of the chorus section. Because there's a real, like, pounding thumping behind it rather than the kind of True, driving they put quickness the four on the floor kind of thing mm-hmm. <laughs> but like i would say uh, as much as it is a bit repetitive they do like you know build it pretty good so as like a dance remix i think it works pretty well yeah i think they they nail the mark here and in terms of being side by side with daft punk on some strange remix single they blow Daft Punk out of the water. <laughs> the there, water. Maybe that was a Daft Punk's like, ah, we got to go easy on them. Everyone's going to compare us to these guys. We're right. It's like, so okay, we'll just fucking put some fuzz on here. Because, like, Golden I can't dude. think of another explanation for why they would put that out. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, sorry, DP. D- you know we love you. <laughs> Alex for sure loves some DP. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's this version. Yep. It's a pretty solid dance version. Let's talk about a version that featured in the Hulu TV series Looking for Alaska, Young Summer in 2019. Oh yeah, let's talk about that. I say you don't know. You say you don't 
Um, so this is a, is a legit slow piano version, which I well, I thought the Scissor Sisters version was going to be. Yes. First, but then it very much wasn't. Um, and it's not, doesn't really do much to break out of that. It's like solo, piano, ambient. Those are the three words yeah. I would use solo, to describe it. Solo, piano, ambient, and I will tack on made for TV. Made like for TV, yeah. Yep, one word, made for TV. Um, made for TV, yeah, that's one word. So the piano sound here, so I, I looked this up and I should have realized this, but I forgot. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like I've been messing this up. We're talking about bright sounds, you know, when there's a yes. lot of high frequencies. And I f- kind of forgot what the opposite of that was. Uh, I've been saying yeah. filtered or like dull, which is dull. Yeah. Because dull has a negative connotation, but it's warm. Warm. That yeah, makes sense. I just, yes. I don't know. I was going to say muted, but yeah, warm years. makes sense. Warm. So it is a very warm, soft piano sound, which you'd expect, you know, mm-hmm. from this ambient kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. you're supposed to sort of settle into the sound in the background. Um, but yeah, they got a lot of these ambient harmonies and synthesizers and stuff. Yeah, I will say the later half of this track reaches something interesting. But we take too long to get there. <laughs> when it has the harmonies, and then there's, like, when it gets to the middle eight section, uh, mm-hmm. there's this kind of slow version of the synth in the original that's very quiet. Yeah. Um, and she does this trick with the uh, doing the riff uh, vocally. I kind of glossed over that. Yeah, it's... Uh, I think she kind of did, too, because I think you could have layered that in the back and had her sing over top of it Made for it a more interesting like effect. Hooky thing. Maybe yeah. a song this slow wouldn't necessarily have a hook, but... Maybe. Um, and that's the thing. I think... Interpretation-wise, like, the song is about death on some degree. You know, at least it's winking at it. Right. And the I know I won't be leaving here with you is is a negative thought. So to bring it into this sad space is sensible. It makes sense. It's a it's a pretty clear take. Yeah, I've I've disliked slow piano covers much more than this. Um, mm-hmm. And there's some good ideas. Yeah. I just feel like it takes too long to get to those. And yeah, definitely has a bit of a made-for-TV feel to it. Yeah. But working within those constraints, it, it does an alright job of it. Yeah, conveys moodiness. She's got, a, she's got an alright voice. You know, it fits the style she's singing in at the very least. Yeah, it's like if this wasn't in... Actually, no, I'm, maybe I, I was going to say if this wasn't in a, in a TV show, it would be in like a movie trailer. But I don't think it, I don't know if it gets intense enough at the end. Yeah, you would need some heavier bass thrums in there. Yeah. Um, but it did make me start to think of like formula because sometimes, I mean, we didn't really shit on this one too bad. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes we will, especially like slow piano or whatever. Well, yeah. Slow, slow indie type covers. Um, but like sometimes we get the same thing. And when I say the same thing, I mean like very formulaic. Uh, from like a pop punk song or something um but i guess that's just something we like more that, that could very well be it but um also when i was uh or I doing this anyway. doing these these songs when i was taking notes i had another song after this by a, a group called j lounge or a producer i guess which was like a like a chill hop lounge version and it legit sounded just like a like a more basic version of this version but also with like a half chipmunk singing the vocals Oh, 
so I think I have a kinder take for this as well, having seen a worse version of the it. Worst ver- the worst version? Yeah. yeah. But honestly, like, it's fine. Yeah, it's, uh, I just, I feel like if you did a second pass on this, and just were like, well, let's let's take the interesting elements and yeah, actually weave them in a little up, stronger. This around, yeah. Try this here. Yeah. So, a few notes, but not bad. Not bad. Um, speaking of bad evil, somebody who snuck in. Uh, <laughs> Robin Adele Anderson in 2020. I say don't you know you say A New York-based singer, actress, pinup model, and of course, member of Scott Bradley's postmodern jukebox. Yes, she's apparently one of the one of the original postmodern jukebox singers, or yeah. perhaps the original, uh, according to the Wikipedia page, credited with their breakthrough covers. Yeah, so uh, she's a, a she pillar anymore. of the yeah. mod- the postmodern jukebox. Over, um, and so and this is very bat, similar yeah. to that. Yes, 100%. Conceptually. Uh, oh, she's also apparently a character in Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, voice. She's a voice of Robin Koninsky. Robin Koninsky. No, nope, not ringing any bells. So, I did. A singer, maybe? In the, that would be my guess. Um, but yeah, it's the old school jazz lounge sound. Yeah, so it's quite funny, because I didn't know she was... I guess it's not quite funny. You, you, the listener, can decide how funny this is. But for me, I thought it was funny, because listening to it without looking her up first, I was like, oh, they heard the Scissor Sisters version and just wanted to do the intro for the rest of it. And no, it just turns out she's a po- postmodern jukebox person, and that's her thing. Yeah, would have done this anyway. That said, this is a well-constructed version of that style. That style? We start with a little um, bouncy intro. There's horns, there's piano, and there's like a a wood block or something. Yeah, which actually the Scissor Sisters version was it the Scissor? No, I'm thinking of the Nam Gabo version. Hang on, let me check. Nam Gabo. Never mind. <laughs> I don't know oh, what I'm talking mind. about. I thought Fucking I had a Alex. note. I had a thought, but I've lost it. I mean, I remember it, but it doesn't make sense. Okay. Unless I know more details. Um, it so stylistically, mm-hmm. the song similar to the original does do uh you know a big transition after the yes intro after the verses, um so it's more of that upbeat bouncy sound and then in the transition it gets almost like like a chorus line type sound yeah for a bit and then it kind of then it kind of doesn't go that intense because it like slows down. And then briefly sounds like they'll do that kind of thing, but then kind of calms down and stays slow after that. Yeah, it's this... It's real, yeah, like jazzy showtime kind of music. Somebody's going to start kicking their legs out. Yeah. But then they don't. But then... And they do a pretty good, like, gradual build for the rest of the song. Yeah. Because by the time they get to the end, it has that sound again, kind of. Mm -hmm. Um... And, uh, okay, another thing I always like to shout out when they do the middle eighth section, soft yep. horns. Ooh. Because that's difficult, I think. Or I yeah. was like, how do you even do that? I'm still convinced it's impossible. So it impresses me. You put a plunger always. in it. Um, 
Um, yeah. What else to say about it? It's it's in this style. They do the stuff. They do the tricks. She does a pretty good job of singing it. She's a pretty good singer. Um, I will say that given the originals, like sort of like, is it love? Is it a shootout vibe? This one plays into that from the style of like old jazz tunes, right? You get a bit of that idea of the femme fatale with her as a singer. And that sort of like dark, jazzy lounge style of music. So it plays with some themes of the original. Kind of James Bondy. Yeah. Provocative of that. Except sort there's of no thing. surf guitar. Yeah. That's what this is missing. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> also, hey, yeah, maybe. The second, the back half could be a bit more. I guess it's like jazz, so it's slower dancing, but it could be like a bit more dancey, I think. Yeah, but I agree. That's, you know, whatever. Yeah, especially because they give you that kind of tease of what, like, a big, dancey, like, jazz version would be like in the, the intro to chorus transition. Yeah, and then it's so kind of, like, deliver swaying, on that, yeah. not the same kind of, like, um, energetic dancing that you get from the original. But, yeah. you know, that's not mandatory, just an idea. Just an idea. It's just notes, people. Just take them into consideration. Remake your cover versions you made ten years ago, and then come back. Yeah, and let Just us kidding, know. This was made it. two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah, that's kind of all I have to say about this one. Did you watch the music video? Yeah, but it is. It's just like singing. Yeah, it's pretty boring. It's group, just her right? standing in front of it. They're gonna fake speak easy. Yeah, and they perform. And they perform. Yes, they perform. There's a and then trumpet. That's, there's that's a it. there's a trombone. It's a piano. There's Trombin. a There's a double bass. And there's a drum drum kit. And then at the end, she's like, "If you guys like the video, be sure to subscribe to the channel." Thanks, guys. Oh, I, I didn't even watch that long. Oh, I stuck around. I had to know for sure. What the question doesn't. I mean, what she doesn't tell you is, if you don't like the video, can you still subscribe to the channel? I mean, I guess not, right? <laughs> I guess not. Um, speaking of songs that have a surf guitar in them, though, Bruno B and Own Boss 2020. So if you're lonely, you know I'm here waiting for you. I'm just across that. I'm just that Own Boss. Yeah, these are, um... Tell me Own Boss doesn't sound like a multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> Own Boss, it totally does. Um... <laughs> Is there both? Oh, hang on. I was going to say Spanish, but this one lists Brazil. Yeah, Bruno's Brazilian. So it must not be Spanish. It must be Portuguese. Okay. okay. I'll admit, I can't always tell them apart just looking at them. For sure. I mean, I don't look at too many Brazilians and Portugueseans. Yeah, they're Spanish both. people. Okay. Side by side. Portuguese. They're Brazilian. DJ types. Okay. It's like a Brazilian of these DJ types, am I right? <laughs> I mean, on this playlist, yeah, jeez. <laughs> yeah, a lot of remixes. But I guess, like, yeah, finding the dance sort of influence of the original, it kind of checks out. True, it fits. I was it expecting fits. more, like, punk and, like, metal covers of this. It does have, a, yeah, I guess it gets, like, alternative, technically, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've, maybe, maybe we haven't quite come back around to this yet. Maybe yeah, in the maybe. next couple of years. Ah, that could be the next next wave. With like, so Bruno B. Combining like the current um, pop punk trends with, with like oh, the yeah. next 20 year cycle thing where this cycles back in. We'll see. It's, it's all recycling, baby. Music industry, yeah. 100% green. Um, Bruno B is just <laughs> a simple guy and a proud father, Alex. Yeah. 
That's all there is to know. An own boss? Why, he's one of the 20 of 2022 by Tomorrowland Radio. And he's um, his own boss. He's his own boss. It's got like an umlaut on the O, too, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Which, I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, I don't... But I'm just going to call him own boss. I'm going to call him own boss. Because that's easiest for me. You could call you could call um, him by his birth name, Eduardo Zaniolo. Hey, Eduardo. Hey, yeah, Eduardo. He dresses um, like right. a cool guy. He's got a Hawaiian shirt. But yeah, let's talk about the song. Yeah, let's talk about this one. This one goes even further into what I would consider a, more of a traditional style remix. Yes. Um, even more so than Naum Gabor. Um, and in addition to that, they kind of change the structure around to make mm-hmm. it even more like a traditional thing because they kind of um, put the verse in a couple times. Yes. Um, you get four on the floor, like a uh, synthetic drum right off the bat. So classic. Um, and of course, sort of, I don't know if this is a classic dance remix move or more of a modern one, but the, the inclusion of this funk guitar that they throw in. Oh, yeah, it has like its own riff. Bam, 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 ba, dam, ba, dam. That yeah, one? like inspired by the original, but yeah, we definitely. actually also get the original riff in there, so it's not quite the same. Yeah, but it's pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least to that like lead riff part, which is the um, verse melody as well. But right. sped up. Um, but that, it sounds cool. I like I like that riff. I like that riff. Um, I like that they chop up the the end of the I know I won't be leaving here with you line. So it goes you oh. Oh oh, 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 Yeah, that's a classic remix move. For sure. This is Repeating almost like a, a grab bag of classic remix tricks thrown together. Yeah. Uh, the other thing they do, like big build and then dr- uh, in the intro and then drop into like the next section. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of their separate thing. Um, yeah. Repeated use of the title line, take me out. Yes. Not as much as I was expecting, but mm-hmm. it does repeat. Um, and... Oh, yeah, yeah. They also have their own kind of section. After that build, the drop is kind of into, like, their, like, bassy dance section. So yeah. it kind of has everything you'd expect from a remix, a dance remix, right? Like, mm-hmm. they, they turn the intro into a big build, you know, and then pause, yep. drop, uh, do a little bass thing, and then go into the chorus with a, the added guitar riff, um, and then kind of back into the verse, um, do the middle eight section, of course, another build, um, and then cut out, and then some repetition. What does that mean, cut out with some repetition? I wrote it down. Cut out with uh, some repetition. Uh, but um, they do do like a break, kind of, at around 220. Um, th- actually, after they do their like middle eight, this is like three minutes. Okay. So it's like silent, but there's kind of like ambient. Right. Yeah. They kind of like break down and then reconstruct the whole song at that point. Yeah. And then back into their like bassy dance Mm -hmm. section and then kind of plays out on that. Yeah. But yeah, they do reconstruct the song, which is kind of a cool move. Yeah. Um,. Of the three remixes, Alex, which one comes out on top? <sighs> Not Daft Punk. Uh, <laughs> Surprise. I think for me, I'm going to say Naum Gabor. Okay, it's Gabor. But I think There's this no one's R. pretty solid, too. 
Did you say gnome? Uh, it's, yeah, it's gnome gabo. No R on the gnome end there. Gnome gabo? Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Gnome gabo. You're, you're thinking of Zsa Zsa Gabor. Maybe I am. <laughs> Maybe I am. He says I'm not. He says you're not. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> definitely you I, didn't say that. You said I, 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 I said you were. <laughs> Uh, I hear um, you. There's a the Namgabo one's got a solid like an easily readable concept to it. It's like what if it's just the intro? Yeah. Boom. There you Whereas go. Whereas this one, I, I actually do like this one, but it feels more um, formulaic. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it feels like it's pulling on big trends of the past like twenty, thirty years of remixing. Yeah. So like, which is good. It's a good thing to do. It's a good thing. I like the guitar. I like the, yeah. the chopping up of words. Um, I like the, like the breakdown close, and build honestly. up. Yeah. I like the random surf guitar at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so I think for me, this one kind of edges out a bit just because it stays interesting the whole time. Whereas at the halfway point in the Nam Gabo version, you can just you can cut it there and, and go home, have a great day. But this one takes so long for the whole ride. True, says, it does but wait, get a there's more. Yeah. But I think both are acceptable answers. Yeah. Um, and that of course Daft brings Punk, us unacceptable. Unacceptable. <laughs> it is truly, if I meet Daft Punk on the street, I'm going to say, what the fuck were you thinking? And they'll say, what? What? <laughs> they probably speak English. They, I would hope <laughs> at this point that they've <laughs> being international stars. Um, we're about to get into our final verdicts here though. We got, three categories today the worst version the best version and the version most likely to get you a date in a flirtatious situation such as that described in the hit song take me out i could have done best remix for the third one but we already talked about it so too bad you get a weird one alex yeah. what's the worst version worst version i mean it's gotta be daft it's, punk it's daft punk. it's like the most disappointing uh for sure um and yeah they like we I mean, we've said across, throughout this episode why it it feels like why did you put this out at all? You know, it, yeah, it's, it's very never similar. Been like, they didn't add that much to it. It just feels like they made some of it slightly different, but in not that interesting a way. So, and we've talked about like bad covers by big musicians, and typically they're in at least a live context where you can be like, no, okay, yeah, you knocked out yeah. fucking satisfaction or whatever, like fine. But this is like. It, you're a producer and you're doing this in a producer context where you had to theoretically put in time to be like, this is how the track is going to sound. Yeah. And like, it's Dash Punk. They could scrap it if they want. Like, really? Yeah. They, they could just be like, oh, no, we wouldn't like, want to do nah, it. Put that in the vault or just burn it or something. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, I don't know. Get get a, a few bucks, I guess. Like, I, I, I just don't see the motivation in them releasing this <laughs> with the effort they seem to have put in. But hey, maybe they've got a really strong artistic vision that just isn't reading for us. But I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's a well, bad version. It's definitely not reading. No, certainly not. Alex, what is reading for you? What's the best version? Mm. Best version? Yeah, there are a couple solid versions. But I'm pretty sure um, it's also perhaps obvious what I'll be going with in this one. And that's uh, Scissor Sisters. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, it feels different. But in a familiar way, it feels like they had a really solid idea of what they wanted to do with it. Um, and it's got some cool sounds on it on top of that. And that's all you can ask for, really. Yeah, brilliant sounds, brilliant variety in that. It stays interesting. 
uh, all the choices are cool on it. You're just like, oh, that's cool too. And then it's like, here's this low voice call and response. Oh, that's cool as well. Oh, yeah, here's yeah, this right. strange stringed instrument playing the fucking riff. It's also cool. Like, it's all cool. Start to finish. Yeah, Scissor Sisters is great. Alex, the heat is on. You're making eyes, I guess. And you, you've asked somebody if they know, they say they don't know. How are you going to break this ice musically with a cover of Take Me Out? Probably Robin Adele Anderson, but the back half, that feels a little more like you could stare at someone and move slowly close to them. Okay, yeah. I feel like that's more my speed than anything. You're, you're going to slink. Yeah, I got I to gotta slink. I see, I'm a, I'm a I see. bit slinky. I think that's a good call, Alex. A good choice. Yeah. Um, I am going to go with uh, Spurno B, an own boss. You know what? Dance music controls the body, controls the rhythm. Brings people it together. Can, it brings people together. So let's let's pop on the best of dance music ideas from the past 30 years, and let's hope for the best. That's my move. That's our final verdicts. If you guys got different opinions, similar opinions, want to talk about a version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy. Send us comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. You can do the same on the email servers. You can send us an email at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, your favorite podcasting apps, your least favorite ones, and all the mid ones, too. We're there. Uh, tell your friends about us. We don't have a marketing budget. You are our marketing budget. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' friends. Tell your enemies. Tell them all. Let them know what you do for an hour and a half on your commute to work or while you're doing yoga. Can't imagine doing yoga and listening We're to this. We're pretty relaxing. Hey, yeah, I, uh, a friend of ours loved to tell me that he used our podcast to fall asleep to. So, great. Don't do that. And if, if you did, hey, welcome to Waking Up Again. Hello. Tell your friends about us. <laughs> that does it for today's episode. And as we always say on Cover Me, I say you don't know. You say you don't know. I say cover me.